And so they're always on alert. So it's really important to pay attention to that. And my music is one of the things that can calm their nervous system so they can work within that, is it safe? So they're not over the stress threshold when they're trying to evaluate, is this a safe sound? Hey there, I'm Janie Budnick, the pet sitter guru and founder of Pet Biz Hive and Pet Biz MBA. The Pet Biz Hive podcast is a space for pet business owners to still get all those things done while getting some tips and business education in their ears. So pop in an earbud and get ready for the buzz. Hello, everyone, and welcome to this week's podcast. This is another special podcast. I am doing another dual podcast. This week, I have with me Lisa Spector, who, oh my goodness, has so many different names that she has been called by. Well, good names, of course, right? And she is the pet calming maestro. Uh, She was named that back in 2017 by NPR, but she is a classically trained Juilliard pianist who co-founded Through a Dog's Ear um, back in 2008. Is that right, Lisa? Yeah. Yes. She was with them for about 10 years. That is calming music that is in over 1,500 shelters. So I thought she was an ideal person to have on a dual podcast because, of course, having music for purpose of calming dogs is so important to pet parents and also to pet professionals because we deal with these anxious dogs whenever they're at home. Fireworks, thunderstorms, oh my goodness, do we see it all. But welcome, Lisa. Thank you so much for joining me today. Thank you, Janie. It's such an honor and pleasure to be here. love talking pets and dogs and look forward to our conversation. Yes, of course, you are not only pets and dogs, but we will get to that. So first of all, of course, let's talk about your education, Juilliard. I was even um, in the kitchen earlier, my uh, 18-year-old, she was asking me what I was getting ready to do. And then like, she's like, oh my gosh, she went to Juilliard? I mean, that's it, she's not even in music, and she was super impressed. So fill everybody in on your background in education. Well, I like to say now that my Juilliard degree has gone to the dogs, and I couldn't be happier. I grew up on a piano bench. I grew up, that's all I did. My Cocker Spaniel, our family dog, was next to me by my pedal foot, but that's all I did is play piano, and that's all I wanted to do, and, and graduate from high school and go to Juilliard. And that's what I did. I mean, really, I didn't, I was obsessively shy. I really didn't talk. I didn't have many friends except my piano. And so, you know, that was my goal, having no idea where it would lead my career beyond that. But that was my goal. And it was, that, that one was accomplished. What was the most challenging thing about Juilliard? Oh my God, I loved that building so many times in tears. It was so, I mean, the talent was astounding. So you'd be in a practice room and practice rooms were not soundproof. And there was, you know, you're fighting for a practice room and you get one and you're practicing your sonata, Beethoven sonata or piano concerto. Someone next to you, one side of you starts playing it faster and louder. And then the person, the other, you go to another piece and the person, the other side starts playing your Beethoven's now faster and louder. Everything was like faster and louder, which is not my thing anymore at all. But, you know, it's very intimidating. And it would, it took me a while to learn to just stay in my own lane and just not listen to anyone else. And just, I am where I am. And and I'm not a, I'm not a prodigy, but I have some talent and I have some work ethic and I work hard. And, and then it turned into very uh, inspiring too. To, to be amongst that talent. Yeah. Yeah. So where did you take that after you left Juilliard? Well, I then went to graduate school for music, studying with one of the best teachers on the planet, still John Perry, out in the West Coast. I had a teaching assistantship at USC and then ended up going back to New York and then landed in California after that. It's a whole series of cross-country moves. But again, thinking that it was all about piano and it was just all about piano. The dog thing even to the point of me being a total true dog lover with a capital D didn't happen till much later, till much later. Really? Okay. So you were going back and forth with the teaching and now you're officially in California, correct? 
Yeah, I've been here 32 plus years. Yeah. Okay. So that's where it finally, <laughs> finally landed. Yeah, exactly. So the dog thing happened when I got my first big dog, Byron. He was a golden retriever. And I was so naive in those days. I didn't know anything about behavior. I just got lucky with a dog who was just so mellow. And, you know, people used to joke, is he on Quaaludes? He was mellow <laughs> all the time, except, you know, golden's tend to come one of two ways, super mellow or like, you know, a lot of agility dogs are golden's because they're high energy dogs. He wasn't. But loving guy and his stress, which I didn't know anything about canine stress. I was so naive that I thought, oh, you just love a dog and you give them enough exercise and they're going to be a totally well-behaved dog like Byron is. <laughs> like, it just, that's what I thought. Except for one time, which is he, I, looking back, I know more now, he had extreme anxiety over the sound of wind. So I lived in a place that there was no protection between me and the ocean. It was a bit of a distance, but it was just open fields. And when that wind kicked in, he'd be in the bathtub. I'd find him hiding under the, trying to get under the bed. I didn't even know what that was. And I didn't even know how to deal with that. But looking back, oh my God, do I now have the tools that would have helped Byron back then? And when I lost Byron, I was devastated and I wasn't ready for, for a dog for a while. So I became a volunteer puppy raiser for guide dogs for the blind thinking, oh, well, you know, I'll just raise a puppy and I'm not ready for a long time commitment. But, you know, in a year from now, I'll, I'll give the dog up to be the guide dog. And I ended up raising Sanchez, who in that picture of my painting of my mom did of Sanchez, my rest in peace dog. He lived to 14, but he was a guide dog puppy that I raised, but then came back to me because he was not, he was career change. So he went on to multi-careers. He became an actor. He played Helen Keller's dog in a local play. He was an agility dog, not a good one, but he tried. I mean, he worked for the for the treats, let's be honest. Um, he became a freestyle dog, which he was pretty good at. And he had, you know, he loved the treats, and but he was just in his own world. Sanchez was about Sanchez, which doesn't always make a good guy dog. And now I have for seven years, I when he was seven, I brought in Gina, who was also a career change from guide dogs. She's my current dog and only dog. Um, she's about to be 14 and still doing great. And she's had a very successful career with agility. Her ribbons are behind me with she's a two time um, agility champion, too. That's amazing. So did you yeah. work with her directly on agility? Yeah. So she's yeah, I put her in right away as soon as I adopted her. And so I say all that because one is because for from a business perspective, like you, I didn't plan to go to Juilliard to make music for dogs and make recordings for dogs and have dogs listen to my concerts. I would have been insulted back then. But now <laughs> knowing what an easy tool is, the right prescription of canine sound therapy and that it's helping my recordings I made in the past are helping 1500 dogs in 1500 shelters plus and that it's I've seen what it does for Gina and other dogs with simple extreme separation anxiety extreme sound phobia with fourth of July fireworks and thunderstorms mm -hmm. and ex even extreme aggression has helped many dogs with so I see what a simple tool is and it's I feel like it's my responsibility to do this no one else was doing this no when NPR called me a pet coming maestro no one else on the planet thought of this crazy career. <laughs> <laughs> Who would have thought, you know, you were the first, but you know, it's always good to claim a space, right? Right. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Pet calming maestro. So of course you, uh, you ended up co-founding the, the through a dog's ear program. And then you have since moved on to your kind of own program. Uh, so tell us a little bit about that. I did. When my non-compete was over, I went on to create my Zen pet because I take dogs, just dogs right now, but the future is another story. But right now, concentrating dogs from stress to Zen because people, some people think, well, first of all, some people don't know. I mean, you have a pet sitting audience, you know, your audience is pet sitters. So they know that their clients don't always know that their dogs are stressed. Yes. So I've done, I've done some on the side, some dog walking and some dog sitting. And most of those people who love their dogs to the end of time don't know when their dogs even have 
sometimes what I would call more extreme stress and sometimes it's more subtle. So some people would say, well, I don't need that. My dog's fine. Most dogs aren't, you know, over 73 recent research. So that 72.5% uh, of dogs exhibit some sort of anxiety issue. And even the ones who don't, and so there are some who don't, they're in our human environment. So our, think about our sound environment. In our canine households, we have electronics and all our technology has beeps, whistles, appliance noises, these appliances that warn you when the dishwasher's over, the washing machine, do they really need to have the buzz and the high-pitched thing? I can't turn on my, I'm a huge Instant Pot lover, can't turn it on without the thing beeping. So I just make sure Gina's not in the room. So no, even if you have a calm dog, there's so much in our environment that affects our dogs and their hearing is so much greater than ours. So they're not only more sensitive to hearing what's in the kitchen or in the bedroom or in the office, but they're hearing outdoor noises that you can't hear because their frequency range is, is so much greater than ours. So there's so much going on. And, you know, as we know, their scent, their sense, their smell is their strongest sense, but their auditory, their ears are their second. And so it really alert, they're always on alert. Is that sound safe? That's why dogs go crazy over fireworks. Not only is it loud, they can't tell whether it's safe. They can't tell whether it's coming from, and it's erratic. It's not a predictable pattern. Even mm -hmm. some dogs that are sound phobic, that have a predictable pattern of a machine noise when it's steady rhythm. Sometimes the earners reactive. I've seen it here with the border collie, but if it's fireworks where you think it's over and then all of a sudden it starts again and it's all levels and crescendos getting louder and frequencies and in the unpredictable ability of that, they can't figure out, is it safe to be here? So they escape. Mm, They're like, yeah. that sound is coming from here. I need to get out of here. This isn't safe here. And so they're always on alert. So it's really important to pay attention to that. And my music is one of the things that can calm their nervous system so they can work within that, is it safe? So they're not over the stress threshold when they're trying to evaluate, is this a safe sound? So, you know, kind of back to what you had said about a lot of owners not really recognizing those stress signals in their dogs. Um, we have actually seen that a lot with, with clients. Um, and they don't, uh, sometimes they won't understand that when their dog comes up to them and um, is like wanting to jump on them or the paw up on them, that, you know, that can be a stress and anxiety signal. They're just like, oh, how cute. You know, he wants to come right. and love on me. Now, your dog might not be like actually hugging you because he wants to hug you. That could be an anxiety sign. And exactly you know, panting whenever like there's, they haven't been out exercising. They're just, you know, they're supposed to be calm inside. There's nothing going on. And all of a sudden they're panting, yeah. you know, that can be a huge stress signal. So a lot of times it's just really educating them that, that it is a, it is an issue in the first place. And then of it, course, like you said, we have some that are just over the top cowering underneath the corner, finding the inside of the closet where it's dark and shaking. Right. What yeah. And that's, so I kind of define it as two, two categories in terms of sound and reactivity with dogs. Canine noise phobic. Most people recognize if their dog is cowering, shaking in the bathtub, under the bed, there's a, there's a stress issue. That's canine noise phobic. But then there's another broader category called canine noise sensitive, where they're mm -hmm. sensitive to sounds, but most people won't recognize that the you know the dog trainer will but the average person who's who's possibly less educated won't necessarily recognize those signs of stress and that's where it's helpful to recognize and it's helpful to bring my music in as a conditioning response i like to say that sound including the canine sound therapy i create is is a thing it's just an invisible thing but you can use it for classical conditioning just like you can anything else it's just invisible, so we don't think of it. But it can be just as productive of your dog is, um, 
you know, just like, you know, when I still, she's 14, I still do it. Just if I'm giving her something to look out of, I'll pet her head just to still remind her, this is a good thing that someone's petting your head because, you know, dogs don't always like that. So even though she's 14 and she's well past her, you know, puppy socialization stage, it doesn't hurt to remind her of that. It's the same thing with music. You can pair it with something like really good. So that's why dogs who are always watching our patterns as you know your listeners know always watching our patterns oh my god she's picking up the key she's putting on her work shoes she's leaving it's time to panic and now she puts on the music that's time to panic that's not when you want to put on the music you want to classically condition them to play the music when you're home fix up their patterns play it at nighttime because it's great for both ends of the leash. It's not only for the dogs. So it's I just- I love that quote. It is, it's soothing for both ends of the leash. Believe yeah. me, when I listen to your music. That's exactly what I think. It just oh. me down a notch from wherever I am. Yeah, it provides zen to both ends of the leash. So create a ritual with your dog where it's like, because then they'll not only begin to associate that the music means to be calm, but the music also means, oh, She's with me. All is good with the world. This is a calm time. And really, that's how you use music. It's just we don't think of it because it's so invisible and because it's really so easy. It really is that easy. It is. Yeah. And then you were talking about the sound sensitivity. It uh, it made me think of a lot of the, the movement of fear free within all of the different aspects of the pet industry, especially um, heading it. into the fear free certified pra- veterinary practices that are out there. And because um, I'm fear free certified and um, fantastic. And part of that is, is like you said, that classical conditioning of them to those sounds. So not just like having the opportunity for the music and having that type of soothing music in your clinic environment, but, you know, when you think about yeah, that your pet goes into a clinic and it, you know, like you said, smells weird. Everything smells totally different. You know, there's a, um, you know, there's like the fear hormone that's released and every dog that pees on the way inside is leaving that. So there's a lot of that smell as they go in there, but the opportunity to condition them and have some sort of a music that's calming to them or, you know, even like, gosh, darn the back, back room and the treatment rooms when you've got the beep, beep, beep sounds. I know those beeps. Exactly. So Dr. Marty Becker is a good friend. And I remember when he had the idea for Fear Free and look how well it's done. It's fantastic. So the music I've recorded, I know has been used in many Fear Free is used in many Fear Free um, vet clinics. And yeah, it's something that then you also, you can use that. Well, that means if you know that dog is like oh i get good treats and it's good smells and it's good music and you could bring that home with you and you could stream doggone calm anytime you want yeah exactly yes so um so yeah let me let me talk about that doggone calm because i i love this opportunity and i think i'm going to adopt this in in our company as much as we can so it i you know i mean the whole through a dog's ear thing i know that was a that was actually a cd program wasn't it didn't, it, well, didn't because we launched in 2008, it was that's the year that streaming didn't exist. Downloads didn't even exist. So, yes. the, so we started with one album, Calm Your Canine, and then went on to create 16 albums, including a partnership with Victoria Stillwell with that company, Music for Cats, Music for Dogs, Music for Puppies, Music for Seniors. Um, now I'm, you know, everything is with under the label My Zen Pet. So Doggone Calm is my album with that more to, more to come out. But it's, it's a really focusing now on music that really is designed for both ends of the leash. Yeah. And I had seen um, what uh, Lisa Spector dot here now.com. I'll put all of these links in the show yeah. notes for everybody, but I was on listening to that earlier. There's a little preview of each one of them. Exactly. That's the streaming access. link to whether you stream on Spotify, Apple music, Amazon, it's all there. Yeah. Yeah. I think that would be a, a great opportunity, uh, you know, even for pet parents here in St. Louis for of course the STL unleash podcast, uh, to have that available whenever we take care of their pets so that, you know, we can have it play for them also whenever they are at home. Exactly. And then I also have tips that go along with using my canine sound therapy to help improve uh, behavior and health as well. And so that's at myzenpet.com forward slash tips. So we can add that all at the end. Yeah, definitely. So how, 
Um, so, I mean, I understand, of course, um, uh, improving the behavior through the canine sound therapy. So, um, and, and by improving the behavior, are you saying that it's improving the health? Um, it's relieving the stress. So mm-hmm. we all know that stress shortens lives. I mean, there's so much research, human and canine, stress shortens lives. So when you can provide a household with canine enrichment and that's stress-free, nothing can be 100% stress-free. But if you can really, really minimize stress to the best of your ability, it really does help extend lives. Maybe I'm getting lucky, knock on wood, but since I've been aware of this, had dogs who have lived long, healthy lives, Gina's two months away from turning 14. I mean, you know, the future is unknown and there's so many other factors. So it's not only this, but, but I will say, and whether I'm lucky on this too, my last two, her and, and Sanchez didn't lose any hearing because oh. I've been in their senior years, because I've been very sensitive their entire lives and been very conscious of if I'm blasting my Zumba playlist, they're not in the same room. <laughs> because I, I need that sometimes from you know to dance and my energy, but I don't want them to, so they're not in the same room. So really conscious of I see in our environment, this was you know a lot pre-pandemic and now it's starting to come back. Dog-friendly events. You know, we all love to bring our dogs, great. And I go to this dog-friendly event, I walk in, I leave Gina in the car until I check out in the environment because 90 plus percent of the time I'm walking and there's some loud band and the dogs are in front of the speakers for loud band. That's not dog friendly. That's inviting dogs and, and, and causing stress because it's not dog friendly to be dog friendly. You have to be conscious of the auditory friendliness for dogs too. Wow. So really, really careful of her, of her environment. I really was with Sanchez. He didn't lose any hearing. He was 14. Gina, her eyesight's not so fabulous, but her hearing is great. We're still doing agility. She calls, she hears me calling her out of any tunnel, like, or telling her not to go in a tunnel. She hears me. <laughs> yeah. That's so awesome. I want to, I want to talk a little bit about something that's about hearing. It reminds me of that something so basic that your listeners can use. Yeah. We naturally, as just, even if we're not a trainer, we do this naturally. If we want to say good girl, good night, we just drop our voices a little, we go into lower frequencies, we go into musical terms, what I call long legato lines. Mm-hmm. If our dog is about to cross the street and we see a car coming, the last thing you would do is Gina here. You're not gonna, you're just naturally gonna go. She's right here under the piano, so I'm not gonna say we're gonna go into high frequency, short staccato calling her short mm-hmm. and a high frequency because that's gets their attention that those short high pitch sounds charges their nervous system which is what you want to happen when a car is coming it's what i want to happen on the agility field when she's about to take a tunnel and i want her to it's not what i want her to do when i want her to be calm and zen mm-hmm. so when i want her to be i'm going to use lower frequencies and that's the music that i create and so i don't know if you're ready for this your listeners are but the music i'm going to go into is that i'm going to play live is I start my album with music for left hand only because my left hand is playing lower frequencies on the piano and lower frequencies the way that we use our voices naturally when we say good girl, good boy, that's calming to dogs. So that's what I'm doing with music. That's amazing. Let's go ahead and do that. Then we'll talk some more afterwards. Okay. Sounds good. So this is the first track on my album, Dog on Calm Volume 1. It's also the theme music for my my Zen Pet podcast, and it is a Vivaldi arrangement of the Four Seasons, which is written for a high frequency instrument for violin, solo violin plus string orchestra. So violin is beautiful, but it's high frequencies that could charge your dog's nervous system. So I've personally arranged this for my left hand only to play lower frequencies. So while you're listening. If your dog is with you, see how they respond. But even if they're not, take a listen and see how you respond. Do you just take a big, deep breath in and sigh and relieve all the stress? And notice what happens to your to your environment, how you're feeling inside with this.
Oh my goodness. <laughs> are, you, are you awake? I am awake. Oh, I just love it. So you can't see underneath the monitor. I've got it raised a little bit, but my cat Butterscotch is laying under here and he's just purring away. <laughs> oh, well, it sometimes works on cats too. And I don't know if you heard Gina snoring over there, but I heard it. <laughs> oh. <laughs> Plus we got the purring and the snoring going on in tandem. <laughs> That is really amazing. I do love those low tones. And of course, you know, I do have to say I can't play piano that well with two hands. So um, so that that's amazing that that's that's just done with one hand, of course. Uh, but I've I've always resonated myself relaxing wise with those lower tones. Uh, my favorite stringed instrument is a cello. Oh, I just me, yeah, me too. I mean, I just and love it because they're so soothing. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yes. Yeah. I can just listen yeah. to that all day long. Yeah. That is so amazing. I never, never made it very far in piano, but um, it's, it's not because I didn't try whenever I was younger, right? <laughs> right, right. Well, I'm glad you're a listener that enjoys it. Yeah. Yes, yes. And, you know, I mean, I guess that takes me to watching you play with your left hand is the, the dramatic story of the accident that you had. Uh, tell everyone about that because I mean it's it's such a great story because it's how you you know evolved from that and, and what you ended yeah. up learning. So I'm approaching six years because it was two thousand summer of 2017. I fell and I was carrying a water bottle with my ring finger in my right hand that didn't release when I tripped over a curb. And so it essentially crushed my hand and temporarily my soul. I, it was so bad. I thought my hand finger had fallen off, hmm. ended up with, was so painful. I needed morphine on the way to the hospital, ended up with seven fractures in this hand, six up here, one here, needing four surgeries over several years to heal this hand, was told by a medical professional that I would never play piano again. I didn't listen and no. <laughs> went, went to a different hand therapist. And the first one I said, all I wanted to know is, am I going to play piano again? Like, when is this over? Am I, when do I have my hand back? Am I going to play again? And she said, look at your hand. How could you? Oh. And I went to a new hand, searched out new hand therapist. And I said, am I going to play piano again? She said, look at your hand. Why wouldn't you? And I said, you're hired. I stayed with her for 186 sessions until she retired. And now I'm playing. I mean, I, I started with left hand because... That's what I could do when my hand was in a cast, remembering of all the research I've read of lower frequencies, calm the canine nervous system, but also in terms of my concert repertoire for a couple of years, that's all I really could play and perform. And now I'm playing full concerts with Rachmaninoff and Chopin at big pieces, Prokofiev with two hands. Uh, but I still go back, most of my concerts are one and two hands, and then with dog music because the lower frequencies, you know, everything we said about the lower frequencies, I start with left hand only for all my uh, members and my doggone calm club and our monthly concerts, I still start with left hand only before I go into two hand. Because if you think about, I mean, it's still all soothing, but if you think about our dogs, if anything, once they settle, and usually this only takes a minute or two, once they settle, if nothing is new in their environment, they'll stay settled. It's when mm -hmm. the doorbell rings, the postman comes, the fireworks start, the sound crash, you know, the crashing sound, the surprise that whatever that thing is, that's that new thing that then they need to be calm again. But if it's a calm environment, nothing new happens, then the they'll stay as relaxed as they are with left hand only music too. Yes. And you brought up the, the My Zen Pet. So we need to have everybody know about this. And I'm going to have to look into it more myself. So this is your membership for pet parents. Right? Yeah. So I have created an entire My Zen Pet music system. So in that system, it's everything from knowing how to use this music, when to music, how often, what volume, um, you know, all the rituals you can create around that really to create to use it for your dog for improved health and behavior. And so I've created a whole system that is only exclusively available through members of the Dog Gone Calm Club. So in that club, you're, you get access to the system as well, delivered in a Netflix style, really 
easy to use hub online. And then also we meet live because, you know, doc people love to talk dog with other people, right? <laughs> so, so we meet live twice a month. We have a guest expert. I know Corinne Gerhardt is also uh, on your show is yes. fabulous. She was talking about fearful barking. We've had um, everything from trainers talking about um, puppy stages to uh, uh, reducing the um, toxic in your uh, environment in other ways. We've had trainers talking about um, separ uh, separation anxiety certified trainers because that's a really common thing. We've had a veterinary neurologist speaking about the energy you're creating with your dog. We've wow. had, I mean, pretty much every topic under the sun and more to come because when you join, you give me the topic. I'm very well connected in the dog training world. You give me the topic and I invite the expert in that area. We've had, you know, canine enrichment and tricks and games and, and all the all the other things too and then we also i perform for your dogs so once a month i perform a dog on com concert when else are you invited to bring your dog on the zoom screen usually you're in a meeting and you're like fido this isn't the time you're in my lap i can't see your face you're like, calling no, dog fido. Walker. <laughs> right, right. hey can you take my dog for a walk <laughs> yeah exactly so Fido, it's time for you to take the camera. I'm going to be in my pajamas and let's listen to this concert together, but you're the only one on the screen. And so I do this dog on calm concert once a month for my members as well. And then I also have a subscription series called dog on calm forever, where if people aren't quite ready to join the club. They can join the forever subscription and get their music delivered to them every month with um, like, for example, I did a dog on calm Chopin you know, Chopin, it was his birthday and it's was one of my favorite composers to play. And it was his birthday and the end of February. So we did, so that that's in the forever hub and then the members get access to that as well. That is so fun. So do you actually like have the zoom screen and it's just dogs on the zoom screen? Yeah. Oh my gosh. You have to have a screenshot of that somewhere. I'm going to have to go look I, at it. Well, look at Instagram, yeah. my, my Zen pet. So my underscore Zen underscore pet. And, you know, we, so members take the, um, I'm on the main screen, but some members take videos and pictures of their dogs during it and send it to me. And I've had everything from people like, you know, a husband will take a picture of his wife listening while her head is on the golden retrievers, you know, belly like all sorts of I things. can't imagine that's adorable. <laughs> I love yeah. it. Yeah. I also have um, a famous member. So if you watch Only Murders in the Building on Hulu, I have uh Winnie who's really Minnie. Her real name is Minnie, but on on we're Only Murders, she's Minnie. She plays Martin Shortstock. She's a member of the club too. Oh, there we go. <laughs> the the famous dogs coming in. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Oh, that is so cute. <laughs> <laughs> yes. And I, I mean, of course, like you said, that's that's not all you have. You do have, um, you know, of course, that membership. But I think one of the interesting things that uh, you've just had interesting uh, had recently is your piano ninjas, um, which to my understanding that the piano ninjas kind of came out of all of your experiences with your injury and having exactly learn yeah. a way to learn. Yeah, so I um, love creating memberships. So I have two, in addition to the doggone Calm Club, I have the Piano Ninja Tricksters Club, where I help advanced classical pianists learn twice as much in half the time by establishing really smart practice habits. So all the tricks that not only I learned at Juilliard from my studies and my studies beyond Juilliard, but also all the tricks that I had to kind of reteach myself to play piano. So everything, Everything in my world comes down to this question. What is it? How can I make this easier? How can I make this easier? I think so. I, in my that. piano club, in my piano club, I teach that to the members of how they're playing this Rachmaninoff etude. It's so hard, hard to make it easier, break down the steps to do that. But now that I'm thinking about it, I would say I do that for stress and dogs too. It's music is so easy. It's such an easy and it's free. You can stream it for free. You know, you're not paying hundreds of dollars to a veterinary behaviorist. They have their place and sometimes you will need them, but mm -hmm. sometimes you don't. Sometimes it's that simple. Yeah. Sometimes it's that simple. Yeah, exactly. Mm, I yeah. love it. 
Well, you know, I can say that's one of the things that many times I'll do is I'll say, I need to whisper Alexa's name because, you know, if I say the name too loud, the unit comes on across the room. And frequently I'm saying, you know, play classical music, but uh, I think I have something to subscribe to and I'd rather listen to yours. (laughs) Right. Because classical music, and that's the start. Most people say, oh, I know I play classical music for my dog. That's the start. But I can tell you, classical music is a 400 to 600 year range. It can be soft, really soft to really loud. It's 1812 overtures, cannons coming out of the, yeah. out of the stereo. <laughs> you know, it could be a big Mahler symphony of the crashing sounds of the Berlioz symphony. That is not going to calm your dog. So the simpler it is, solo instruments with lower frequencies, you were saying you love cello. Cello is another instrument that would work for canine sound therapy. The instruments, given the right prescription music, the instruments that would work would be piano, cello, harp, and guitar. Because they all have access to lower Guitar, actually, I'm not as familiar with as much how low they get, but definitely cello, harp, and piano, because they have access to the lower frequencies. So give them the right music that has a consistency of pattern, has breadth and space. It doesn't get too loud. So I often take arrangements of symphonic pieces. We'll play them on piano, but I don't play as loud as it's written. And I'll play at a slower tempo and I provide plenty of space. And I only play music that has a very predictable pattern because as we were talking about at the beginning of our conversation, that the unpredictability of this of which classical music is very unpredictable have you ever been have you ever been in a car and you're trying to have a conversation and there's a beethoven symphony playing and you're like turn off the volume turn down the volume turn off the volume it's, that's how beethoven wrote that's it great. on purpose mm-hmm. it's very unpredictable and those unpredictable sounds cause stress for your dog so mm-hmm. don't just play any classical music make sure it's really designed for dogs what would probably be your top composer that you, you know, always keep in your back pocket? For the dogs or for, for, uh, there isn't one. And the reason why is because it all varies because Chopin, who's my composer for piano, you know, if you're asking me in my other world, wrote very virtuosic, loud, fantastic. My reels that have gone viral on Instagram are pretty showy and flashy and loud. I wouldn't play that for dogs, but I play other Chopin. So it's, and people ask me that all the time, what composers do dogs like the most? I've only met one dog. My I've met a lot of dogs in my life. I've only I've met, met one in my entire life who had a preference for, for certain composers. That's another story. But it's not about the composer preference. It's about the prescription of music. Is it designed for dogs? Is it acoustic? Do not play music. That's electronic music for your dogs. It's I, no matter what you read, there's so much people know this is a big market that brings in a lot of money. It's like people will just create crap to just like play. <laughs> Do not play electronic music for your dogs. It is not the music that is soothing for your dogs. It's not the music used in research that's been shown to calm the canine nervous system and reduce anxiety issues. Everything I do is based on research. So I would guess the ultimate research, you probably look at like the data that's out there, but yet as you're putting these like arrangements, because you said you had to do your own arrangement for four seasons, right? Yeah. yeah. You, so what is this like your own dogs are the ultimate test subjects or how do you kind of prove that? My dogs are just the starting point, but my dogs are not a fair test because my dogs are so conditioned that I sit down and piano. that means go to the dog bed. Okay. When I had the two dogs, when I had Sanchez and Gina, I didn't teach Gina to go to her dog, but Sanchez did. Day one, I'm playing piano, and Sanchez, it was like he said to her, they had two dog beds, like, oh, she's playing the piano. This is when we go to our dog bed. And she did. <laughs> like It's been like that ever since. So oh, she, she, would not, she would not be a fair test. Now, I base it based on research. I will tell you, when I started in 2008, there had only been one research study. It was 2008 one or two by Deborah Wells, an Irish behaviorist, testing music and sound on dogs in a shelter environment. Does it calm them? Tested a control group, TV, classical, pop, and I think heavy metal. But classical, it's such an enormous broad range. It's not fair. You can't compare. So then when I worked on the Third Dog's Ear project, I worked with a fabulous veterinary neurologist, Dr. Susan Wagner, who I've had as a guest expert several times in the club. And um, then we broadened the term of 
classical music, you know, altered, not altered, a whole variety of things. But since then, that was the second research study. Now there's probably about 20 or so. And they're all different. They all say different things. They all say reggae works, classical music. What's this? You know, it's not fair to say classical music works because it's just it's not a, it's not a fair test. You have to be really specific, and that's the part that so many researchers are missing. They know a lot about dogs, but they don't know about a lot about classical music necessarily. So, and it does depend. Your quality of sound does make a difference. Your music that you're using. You know, it's just huge variety. So I base it on the commonality of that research. Slow down, predictability of patterns, nothing that's too loud, nothing disturbing, steady rhythm, not too slow. The music I recorded with Hugh Zero is actually slower than what I'm doing now because more recent research showed that music that was, I'm as you can tell, this is still slow. It's about 60 to 80 bit beats per minute. Music that was slower, 40 to 60 and altered, actually were less conducive. So that my old recordings, I'm actually not even promoting anymore. I'm promoting my current recordings because more as we learn more, we just do better and we know more. So I'm just basing that on more current research. So those things I put into Oh, well, lower frequencies, that's some, I left hand plays. My right hand can play lower frequencies. I might leave out some higher frequencies and I might add a piece that was written for me by, by a composer who is also an agility judge who I met on the agility field, wrote music that is for two hands, but he uses, really enhances the bass with that beautiful nocturne that he wrote for, for dogs, for your dogs, really. Oh, that's amazing. And that's available too? That's on the doggone calm uh volume one album yes it's called nocturne for dogs okay i saw that in the listing i hadn't gotten down to that one yet so yeah, yeah that is so, so beautiful it's so oh, beautiful yeah. and it was written specifically for dogs it was written for, it's called nocturne for dogs yeah i we had a conversation and said these are all the things based on research can you create something like that so sure <laughs> it's so beautiful it's just so beautiful yeah Oh, goodness. So do you have, I know you said that, you know, you're constantly writing new things. Do you have something else that's going to be coming out soon for? Um, I do. And it's so cutting edge and I can't talk about it yet. Oh, it's super top secret. <laughs> it's super secret. But if you join my mailing list, if you join myzenpet.com forward slash tips, you'll be getting a link to the streaming of Doggone.com and be getting a, a download of the tips that to, for using canine sound therapy for improved health and behavior. And when this comes out, you'll be the first to know. Let's just say, the give one little secret away. It's very zen. Okay. It is very much for both ends of the leash. Oh, I'm excited. Okay. Well, I was not on your... I'll, I'll be... You, you may not be. Gina will be the first to know. You'll be on the top first 10 to know, Janie. I'll be towards the top. Yeah, your dog's always got priority, right? <laughs> <laughs> oh, I love it. You're, you're, no, wait, you said you used to call him Chief Wolf Officer, the CWO, but now it's what? She got promoted in her senior years to Chief Zen Officer. Chief Zeno. She's got it down. She's got the Zen down. Yeah. I love it. <laughs> Unless I'm doing yoga. When I pull out my yoga mat, she's like, it's time to play. She's on the ground. Go, go oh, of course. While you're down here, you can amuse me, right? Oh, that is some incredible information for pet, pet parents and professionals, of course. Alike. Yeah. Yeah. So I will make sure that I drop all of that information down there. And also the, the piano ninja. I mean, you never know who's going to never be know listening. who's listening. You know, you know, if your listener falls into this category, I actually have, believe it or not, I know this sounds, I was like, did I have to check myself into Looney Tune to come up with this one? And then I found out, no, people want this. I created a chord. If you play piano intermediate level or above, uh -huh. if you read uh -huh. music and play something like a Satie Gymnopathy, you don't have to play one hand. It can be two hands. I have a course called Doggone Calm Piano Tricks, which is teaching pianists to play music for their dogs. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah. So I have that also. I wasn't, didn't even think about mentioning that until you have that. And for your business owners, I have, I will tell you before I learned, now I have two memberships. 
starting and you know right now i have two memberships a third is going to be sometime this year and in my learning and studying of how to create memberships before i studied i just tried it and i totally flopped i had a complete failure launching a piano membership and just took it off the market right away because i hated it so much no, and then i really nice. studied how to create memberships and so if you want tips on how to avoid my membership mistakes <laughs> go to mindzenpet.com for slash biz tips b-i-z-t-i-p-s go to biz tips and i'll get you all those links Janie, so that people will know and uh how to avoid the membership mistakes i made and avoid that time and that cost of making those mistakes Oh, I love it. Yes. For, for those of us that have memberships, we certainly know how much work that can be. So that is helpful. Or just interested in starting a membership. You know, I, yeah. I will guide you through that, through that email thread. Yeah. And I mean, this is for anyone that is listening. It doesn't have to be some sort of a membership in the pet arena. There are so right, many exactly. things that you might have as a gift and you might be just that much ahead of, of some yeah. of the rest of the public that really has a desire to do that same thing. So right, right, exactly. great basis for being able to teach people and the, the digital space has, has got it these days. Definitely. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, it's you where you and I met, right? Yeah. yeah, I know. That's how we met was through the membership space. So, wow. I am so blessed to have you on. And I know everybody listening is probably tickled. Um, definitely we'll drop all of that information down in the show notes, which is just going to be, you know, it's just going to keep rolling out, right? Because we covered a lot of ground. We did cover a lot of ground. So thank you. Thank you so much. It's been an honor. Yeah. So your um your I guess both of them right now are kind of on a wait list. My Zen Pet, when is that one supposed to open up for new members again? Well, I just closed the doors to the piano club. So I'm going back to focus on the dog club. And um I tell you, if it join if enough people join my wait list who listen to your podcast, I'll open the doors. Oh, there we, we go. So today we have a guest list. expert who's a um certified trainer uh in so many certifications that can remember all of them, including Karen Pryor, but she, and Fear Free, um, she is talking about um, managing stress in a multi-dog household. Oh, yeah, that is a big subject. Yeah, because even if you only have one dog at some point, probably another, you want to get, you're going to want to invite another dog over, you want to be in a household with another dog, there's always thing. I had stress with Sanchez and Gina that I didn't know enough at the time. And I, I mean, I learned pretty quickly, but I didn't realize the resource guarding that was going on when I was gone. So I just changed, tweaked some things and then they were so much better. Yeah. Mm, that's an awesome resource to have in your membership then. Perfect. Exactly. And when you join, you get access to all the, we've been going uh, for, oh my God, in July, it'll be two years. So, okay. uh, so you have access to, we have a guest expert every month. So you get access to 24 yeah. guests, 24 yeah. concerts, right? Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> That's yeah. awesome. And then, so you just closed piano ninjas. If anybody had their ear open to that, when is that one probably going to reopen? Um, there might be a back door opening. So if that, okay. that's another link. So if anyone plays advanced piano, it's piano ninja tricks.com. And there's a lot of, even if you don't join, there's a lot of just my, I, I put a lot of time into my email writing and email copy and delivering a lot of uh, good content in there that you can just learn a lot from that as well. Yeah, I can't, I can't mention, um, I can't imagine with the limited amount of piano knowledge that I have, the complexity that you play out because I have seen some of your, you know, full, full, um, full out playing, not just left-handed and how there are tips and tricks you know how you well i start with i start with fingering tricks because it's all about we got 10 fingers maybe sometimes five going around 88 keys well what finger do we put there so the first five tricks are all about choosing effective efficient fingering to make everything easier my motto is how to make it easier so that's what i that's what i like to teach make it easier wonderful well, well thank you for making this easy on me <laughs> oh my pleasure it's so fun yes. I Absolutely. Could talk, I could talk dogs forever. Always, right? <laughs> yeah, I find that these uh, these always end up just keep going because there's so much great information. So right. getting the opportunity to talk to the pet calming maestro. <laughs> uh, thank you so much, Lisa. And again, everyone that's listening, lots of information in the show notes. Make sure that you go check her out. Check out, of course, you know, the My Zen 
Fun Pet Program, um, the other offerings that she has there. And uh, if you happen to be into piano, which you said advanced level, right? Right, yeah. Advanced level, then she is available for that. And you too can be trained by Juilliard graduate. <laughs> thank you so much, Janie. Such a pleasure. Oh, uh, thank you. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Pet Biz Hive. You can follow me at Pet Biz Hive on both Facebook and Instagram and learn more at PetSitterGuru.com. What is your next best move? <laughs>